You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Come inside now. We've got more and more fantasy football content there, some rankings, breakdowns, and my latest two articles there, the Do Not Draft List, the Bus Overrated Players by ADP, also the Do Draft List, the Sleepers undervalued underranked players by ADP so it's average draft position we broke that down here on the last two shows in depth as well so if you miss those two really look at our uh, top uh, basically bus and sleepers based on uh, where they're being drafted there so check those shows out we'll close the week however with a little advanced fantasy football and it's advanced, I say that, and this is a in-depth analysis that might take you in a different direction that you may not get somewhere else. We're always straight to the point here, want to get you your information, but sometimes we just miss the basics for you and we got to reset it sometimes. So what uh, goes into us picking the sleepers and busts and guys we think we're going to break out seasons? Well, we do a lot of analysis looking at the situations, but there's ways that uh, you can look at it the same way the experts do to uh, kind of get a better read on what players you want for a fantasy football team. So that's what we'll do. I call it the 10 most important things you need to know when identifying players that you want on your fantasy football team. So we'll do that. We'll do it over three segments here. So 10 things, and we'll examine every angle, look at it from the 2020 perspective as well. So then you're in great shape here. So whether you're drafting a player or looking for a player in free agency, this is the things that uh, should be on your mind and uh, consider all these things may not be all of them in some cases, but you want to at least uh, go down the list to see is if there's something I'm missing here on this player that uh, maybe makes me want to draft him a little bit more or make me want to avoid him a little bit more. So let's do that. Let's dive into the first important thing and that's talent. I mean, talent trumps everything. Talent is the, reason that a player produces at a very high level. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is an extremely talented back. He was that way at Stanford, complete back, could do everything. I think people maybe discounted him that he was more of a receiving back early, but if you look at his career at Stanford, great speed, great toughness, he was meant to be a highly productive and felt player the kind of way that Marshall Falk profiled there. And we know what happened with him at the Rams and Colts having big time production there so it's all about the pure talent you look at Patrick Mahomes he obviously has a ton so is Lamar Jackson I think we kind of undervalue this if they're physically gifted with their arm legs hands that are just going to be devastating very productive athletes that's where we want to go when you look at George Kittle and Travis Kelsey extremely talented players Michael Thomas is just a very talented player Tyreek Hill with his speed there's some asset with their athleticism quickness speed their strength, their power, something that really makes them stand out as an athlete, and that's why we're drawn to them as fantasy football assets. If it's a may, meh player that you're looking at that isn't uh, 
going to give you any of this thing that stands out, don't draft this player. If he's a slow pedestrian wide receiver that may give you some possession targets, you're not going to look in that direction. So when you're stacking players against each other, you look basically at who's more talented. Nick Chubb is a good example. You look at a ton of talent in this guy that he's going to be productive wherever he goes. He ends up even in timeshare with Kareem Hunt, but two very talented players in that uh, Browns backfield that you're looking at. So it goes on and on. Then you realize that maybe some players that had some talent that you liked, maybe a little bit limited with that talent and capped a little bit. So you have that middle tier of quarterbacks where you feel like uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, he's a pretty talented guy in uh, throwing the short intermediate balls, but he's definitely not in the tier of those upper guys. Same thing that goes with uh, Derek Carr and uh, those type of quarterbacks. So again, that's when you weigh people like Drew Locke and Daniel Jones. Are they turning the corner with their talent? to be top-tier guys or middle-tier guys, and that uh, is all the difference here in whether you want to draft these guys and really look for the ceiling. Look for the guys that are special. Those are going to be your league winners, as many of those type of players with those skill sets on your team as possible. It doesn't matter what round you get them. The next thing you have to look at is the role. Now, some players produce just by being the starting running back on this team that runs the ball well. Raheem Mostert, do we say that he's an elite talent? He's a pretty good player, but you look at the role for Raheem Mostert, he's the lead back, he's a big, strong guy, zone blocking tendencies, he fits exactly what the 49ers want in their running game. So, again, sometimes role plays a part. It definitely can boost a player's talent that you have to have a team that can use a player well. And the Panthers have done a great job of Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara has a lot of talent, but it also combines with the role that he has in the Saints as they use him in the passing game, go there. Derrick Henry, massive talent, but comes down to the Titans wanting to pound him in between the tackles, really invest in their offensive line, and really have him as the workhorse centerpiece of what they're trying to do. So that's the next thing that goes into it. Is this player going to live up here and get his role? Now, Aaron Jones is a very talented back for the Packers, but you're a little bit concerned about the role here, right? With uh, Jamal Williams sprinkled in enough last time, last season, and you have A.J. Dill in the mix, what exactly is going to be his role? And then you have other guys that are semi-talented and cut in, and maybe there are some voids in Aaron Jones' game that uh, the Packers want to complete with other guys. So that's where kind of the separation would say uh, a guy that's talented, and that's a good baseline to start, but his role may not be exactly what we want because uh, he – is in a place that, uh, or in a spot where they don't want to trust him as much with that. So we'll get into a little bit more with that with coaching later, one of our other important things here in the show, but just defining what their role is and what they're capable of doing with their talent is also very important. Our third important thing is usage, and usage is a little different than roles, that how much do they want to uh, expand this player in the role do they want a 250 touchback? Is it more of a 150 touchback? And do they feel that this player can handle that with his talent to maximize his ability? Or is there a threshold where he gets used too much or sees the ball too many snaps where things start to go down in his ineffectiveness? Now, a big player that we're concerned about usage is Rob Gronkowski here in 2020. Great talent, we know that. We've got uh, the role definitely in the 12 personnel, frequent two tight end sets. So he's going to be out there. But what's his usage? Where is he going to get involved? Is he going to be used a lot in a bl- blocking role more than we think? A decoy role? 
to help uh, the wide receivers and O.J. Howard get open. Uh, those are all things we have to consider. So we might say, okay, we like the Gronk talent part. We like the role, but the usage may not be completely where we want it here. 2020, that could play into Howard as well, that he's a good talent, but he hasn't been used very well so far by Bruce Arians. So maybe uh, some things change there here in 2020. So talent, role, usage, those are the three things off the top that you have to consider in uh, whether or not a fancy player is going to pay off dividends in a particular year. And that definitely applies to 2020. All right, so that's three of our most important things. That would leave seven more to talk about. But before we get into those, I've got to tell you here about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. That's simply what it is. And now Built Bar is new and improved and even delicious er with six new flavors, including caramel, brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Now, I got my first box of the original flavors, and I'm excited to try these new flavors. I mean, I'm hooked on Built Bars. They're all so delicious. Just consider some of their 12 original flavors. Banana bread, salted caramel, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate. These are things I love. Whether you're chocoholic or like fruit, you're going to be taken care of with the Built Bar and its great taste. All the Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're also soft and easy to chew, so none of that chalkiness or aftertaste. Smooth, delicious treat there and uh, they're also very healthy for you the built bar is great for the health conscious guy or gal you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in something that's uh, like a dessert that you're having uh, for your health and with all the built bars you get a treat that's low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber great for anyone on a keto diet just take their cookies and cream flavor here 17 grams of protein that's a lot 130 calories only four grams sugar four grams net carbs so whatever flavor you choose you're going to be in good shape health wise and uh, have the protein to power you through your day built bar uh, for now you can get a cooler with purchase while supplies last uh, check on that but the big thing with built bar is you can use the promo code locked on and you'll get ten dollars off your next order use the promo code locked on for ten dollars off your next order at builtbar.com. That's great. These bars are totally worth it, and uh, now they're even more so with this great offer, $10 off at builtbar.com. All you have to do, use that promo code locked on. We'll be right back here to uh, close the show with our next uh, few uh, important things in your fantasy football draft plan. All right, uh, we will continue. We've got seven to go through here in the next two segments of uh, Locked on Fantasy Football to close the week here as well as it's uh, Friday. So again, if you missed anything with our uh, mock draft analysis, sleepers bus, our latest news and notes, it's all up there. Check it out uh, wherever you get your podcasts and uh, catch up here. It's all meant to be a comprehensive way to help you dominate your fantasy football drafts in 2020. So we talked about talent, role, and usage as three very important things. Now let's go to the support system. So you got the talent, you got the role, you have the usage. How good is the support system? And uh, there's a support system that's kind of breaking down. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. They've had some injuries here. Brandon Brooks is lost for the year. Jason Peters uh, not in the mix here. Maybe they'll bring him back. Andre Dillard is now hurt here. So is this offensive line something that we're used to being like clockwork? Is it going to live up to Miles Sanders? So we know Miles Sanders is extremely talented. We know he's going to have a great role. We know his usage is going to probably be the lead back considerably over Boston Scott. 
But how is this blocking going to help? Uh, and uh, is this good for Carson Wentz either, that now they're having a double transition at tackle and losing a key member of that offensive line? So, again, the support system is very key. So you look at offensive line. Then you look at also skill support, and that comes in for the quarterbacks. Who does he have to throw to? Who's going to help him really come through? You look at Matthew Stafford. He's in great shape here because he's got three very good receivers, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones Jr., and Danny Amendola. They go 11 personnel. He's now got a better tight end, DeAndre Swift. Maybe we'll have uh, TJ Hawkinson come through at some point this season to help at tight end. But Stafford really has benefited from a really great support system uh, in terms of skill players, uh, Calvin Johnson, Golden Tate, in uh, early parts of his career here. So that's what you look at. Uh, is there a support system? And sometimes a support system can lift a player. You might think Matthew Stafford is maybe a middle-tier quarterback. He's had a big arm talent, but always the delivery hasn't been there. But I think he's been better as the support system has increased. They've invested also in the offensive line there. So, again, that lifts up a guy like Rothes- or like Stafford and also Ben Roethlisberger. When you look at very good offensive line, very good receivers there, good uh, way to rebound. Both those guys coming back from injuries here, Stafford and Roethlisberger. And uh, that's what you need, a support system to get you through the tough times and uh, make you turn the corner and be very productive. So Stafford was an elite QB1 through the halfway through the season last year. Roethlisberger was in the top five two years ago. So, again, all through support system, you may say their talent maybe a little diminished now with age, wear and tear a little bit, but support can lift them back up and uh, really help their talent, especially as they're getting older and uh, very important for a quarterback here to consider. Then you look at the quality of the team overall. I think this is overlooked a little bit in fantasy football. Do I really want to invest in a lot of Jaguars and Jets? I don't think so. Like any team I think is going to be at the bottom. I know people are trying to find answers with the Washington football team and maybe trying to figure out how much you want to invest in uh, certain teams. But if they've got some offensive question marks, I don't want them necessarily to go there. They're not going to score a lot of points. They're not going to be very effective. Here And the less points you score, the less yardage you get, the less fantasy football opportunities you have on a team. So the quality of the team is important. Again, the 49ers, uh, we know how talented they are. The Seahawks, uh, we saw all their players really come through last year. So the quality of the team, team that's with it and wins, and a lot of the other factors come in. What is the supporting talent? The role of the usage? Are they using them well? Where's the coaching? All that. But uh, that definitely comes into play with the quality of the team. It's... Very simple. You want as many good players from good offenses as you can get. Bad teams just simply do not score enough now in the NFL. You want to avoid those teams and players as much as possible when drafting your team and reaching for players. So I'd rather have like the third or fourth option on a very good offense versus uh, forcing the first or second option in a really shaky offense. So keep that in mind, and uh, that's how you kind of have to break it down. So Washington football team is a great example that we're trying to find who's going to be in the backfield, or where do we go with your other receivers other than Terry McLaurin. If you don't need to reach there, you got teams, other good players here that you know are going to be better in 2020, then roll with that and don't uh, stretch unless you're needing some help and want to diversify your portfolio there. But typically, you want to lean towards the better teams as much as possible. When you look at win losses in reality, that's going to also have uh, some correlation with how productive their fantasy players were in 2020. 
Then the next thing with the individual player, going back to the individual player, now we looked at the support system, we looked at the quality of the team, how he's going to be used, what he's supposed to do on this team. But now you look at the age and injury history. This is a thing that comes in a lot. I don't like this thing where people say, I'm going with someone tried and true, old, reliable. What's the problem with the old, reliable? It has the word old in it. I want young players. I want high upside players. I don't care if they're rookies. I don't care if they're second or third year. If uh, they don't have any injuries or concerns with age and have fresh legs and can produce more, they're going to produce more. Well, the older players, Le'Veon Bells of the world that we look at, starting to diminish there in town, and Adam Thielen there. These guys have uh, built some wear and tear, and they peak, and they have very good uh, primes, and we know that with both Bell and Thielen, but we know the durability is a question mark with both cases. Uh, there, Bell has had a lot of uh, work and wear and tear. Adam Thielen has uh, been banged up quite a bit with the back and hamstring injuries here. He's on 30 side. Uh, Bell's getting there very fast. So when you look at it, it may not be just their age in terms of the number, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, but also how much have they been used? Have they played a lot of full seasons? Have they taken a lot of hits and played extensively? And has that uh, taken their toll on their bodies and slowed them down a little bit? So agent injury history are important. Again, we know that every player who plays in the NFL, it's a fast, violent game is in way of physical harm, uh, but guys that have more wear and have been around the league longer and uh, taken that abuse are going to be less viable there to produce and uh, can easily drop off quickly. And that's the thing that you get with some of these players is that their production can drop off a cliff immediately. And uh, that's something you want to avoid because you go from a guy that was just viable a year ago or two years ago and just is a fantasy football void in 2020. So agent injury history, something you definitely have to have. The other thing you should consider, and this is partly tied in a lot with uh, talent and role and usage, is the history and familiarity of this player with this team. Now, I take an example of Nick Foles there with the Bears, that he has a good track record with Matt Nagy going back to their days with the Chiefs, that he didn't have a long time there, but he knows the offense well. Mitchell Trubisky has been trying to learn it here for a couple of years. So that gave Nick Foles the advantage there. We're not saying that Nick Foles is a guy that you're going to go out and get in fantasy, but you look at a Demetrius Harris on that team. He played with the Nagy on the Chiefs. So he has uh, some experience there, and he might get some opportunities over Jimmy Graham. Now, again, it can also apply to uh, players at a higher level. And you look at the... Jets, they have Frank Orr and now Kalen Bellage behind Le'Veon Bell. So two guys with a lot of familiarity with what Adam Gaze wants to do. And that's a big deal. And Ryan Fitzpatrick there, he's in a good spot with Chan Gailey as he tries to hold off Tua and uh, tries to rebuild uh, the Dolphins and build on what he did with Devontae Parker last season. That's great for Devontae Parker. He's got somebody he's uh, connected with here. We've seen uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick be very productive for a Chan Gailey offense, there's definite familiarity between him and uh, Devontae Parker. But then you look at A.J. Green. He's had a lot of familiarity with Andy Dalton. They were in the same draft class. But he has no familiarity with Joe Burrow. And he also didn't play in the offense last year. I know he's on the team learning in the background of the ankle injury as they transitioned to Zach Taylor. But Tyler Boyd was the one out there being productive and really fitting in well in the offense and uh, – 
that really helps. If you have the familiarity familiarity with the scheme and know what you're doing, that's going to help a player considerably here to uh, maximize his talent as well as the role and the usage. All right, so that's uh, now seven of our commandments, so to speak, when uh, identifying drafting players at the highest level to make sure that you build a winning roster. We still have three more of these to talk about before we close the show and the week. But first I got to tell you, make sure you're checking out Peacock and Williamson are rebranded here. Flagship show on the locked on NFL network. Uh, they're a great duo, Brian Peacock, a great host. And, uh, you have former NFL and college scout, Matt Williamson joining him. So inside around the league training camps heating up, we're making the transition. The regular season's almost here. can't believe it's September 10th. We'll be here soon enough. So there you go. Uh, with, our shows here across the network will get you ready for the season and get you all the way through the season here. Unusual year with uh, COVID-19 and uh, the protocols in place, but we got your teams covered uh, with our ways of doing it. We're all over it. And uh, you can uh, check us out here all week, all throughout the season, as well as in the preseason. We'll be right back here to look at my final three most important things when considering drafting and acquiring players in fantasy football. All right, so to go over what we looked at as the most important things in uh, developing a roster, identifying players who are going to help, avoiding players who can hurt your team, talent, role, and usage were one, two, and three. The support system, the quality of that, the quality of the team in general, how good is this offense, how good is this team one loss-wise to support uh, yardage and points, age and injury history, just uh, exactly what it is with a particular player, and then the history and familiarity with the player and a scheme and a coach, and just in general having uh, something where he's not going to have a transition or learning curve. Now we go to a different uh, level of understanding is uh, game scripts or game flow. Now this is important for a team like the Bengals that has a bad defense is still rebuilding here they're gonna be throwing a ton uh same thing with the dolphins they're in a transition here so what do you look at is uh, the Bengals, joe burrow throwing a lot more so maybe it's not a lot of receiving opportunities as you would expect for the backs or carries that come in so joe mixon might be more dependent on really just getting involved in the passing game a lot more because they're not going to be a team that's going to run the ball 30 times and assault away leads. But then you flip it the same division, you go to the Ravens. We're not crazy about Lamar Jackson throwing the ball around the park to his young receivers, Marquise Brown and uh, Miles Boykin and Devin Duvernay. He's not going to do that. He's going to do a lot of running, play off the running game. They have J.K. Dobbins. That's a stronger part of this uh, team. Now with a little depth in the backfield, Mark Andrews making big plays. They're a tight end and uh, scoring, finishing drives here. So, again, the game scripts for the Ravens, they should be a pretty darn good team again. They're not going to be in position where they're going to throw the ball down. They were good proactively throwing the ball in the first half, but it wasn't a lot of volume necessarily. You didn't see those 250, 300-yard games because they were needed for the Ravens. So, And another good team in that division, you look at the Steelers that have a pretty good defense, so that could help James Conner a little bit. We know they have very talented with a passing game there, but they could be in positions more to stick with a run and stick with Connor with their defense and uh, play from ahead in some games and have the ability to throw to get the lead. So game scripts are important to uh, kind of consider here. It's not the end-all be-all because there's a lot of teams that will come out throwing like 49ers are good examples that they'll throw, throw, get a lead, 
and then pass to a lead and uh, score points, and then uh, they say run to win. So that's a lot of what these teams are going to do. And again, it comes down to the better teams. You look at a team that might have a lot of uh, negative game flow this year, the Houston Texans. So Deshaun Watson, I'm going to be throwing the ball around the park here and uh, looking at their defense being shaky. That means David Johnson, his value might be more valuable there in the passing game as a pass catcher, which is a key asset of his game here to take him through 2020. So again, that's what you're looking for. Where can I find guys and can I trust them to produce in that sense? Russell Wilson, I think he's a guy, an exception, because sometimes the game script doesn't go in his favor. But when they're trailing, the Seahawks are in that position where they're going to have to put up points against a quality opponent. That's when Wilson is at his best, right? He's throwing a lot in the second half, taking advantage of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But this is a team, ideally, that if they're playing ahead, don't want to throw as much. It's uh, interesting with the hashtag uh, let Russ cook. So will they be more aggressive throwing the ball? Hey, it works. They win a lot of games with their formula of running heavily. Having the big plays calculated play off that. With Wilson, Wilson, again, can produce no matter what. But he might keep him, the volume might keep him from really reaching where you really like in fantasy football here. And, uh, and some teams might just be uh, passing regardless. Like the Atlanta Falcons are a good example. A team that's still transitioning in defense. They're already leaning towards the pass. So do you really feel great about Todd Gurley running a lot of balls here when it's Dirk Cutter and ineffective offense and in terms of rushing the ball and one that might trail? No, you feel better about Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Hayden Hurst, and uh, being the production there. So game scripts and flow very important to consider when uh, weighing one player versus the other. Next comes from competition. This is a twofold thing. It's just not the competition that you have from opponents. You want to look at a schedule, and I think the Giants are a good example. Pretty brutal schedule here in 2020, starting with the Steelers. That doesn't make you inspired a lot to invest in a team that you've faced some pretty good defenses consistently. So I think the Giants are definitely an example of that. Then you look at competition for the players individually. Who's out there that could take their job? And this is, uh, plays right away with all those uh, rookie backs. Uh, Mark Ingram, is he going to hold off J.K. Dobbins for the main feature role here for too long? Look at uh, DeAndre Swift versus Kerryon Johnson. You look at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Does he really have much competition now without Damian Williams? No, he had a considerable piece of competition, but now that's gone. And now he's... Uh, boosted up in uh, fantasy football rankings. You look at Josh Jacobs. What are the competitions for touches on his team? They say they want to up him in the passing game, but there is some competition. Jalen Richard is the change of pace. who catches passes. There are multiple tight ends, depth at wide receiver. So Josh Jacobs may not have that boost as much as we like at receiver that uh, they've been touting here just by pure competition for looks, targets, and a workload here with the Las Vegas Raiders. So Again, competition, who's coming up behind a player? Are they going to run into some walls, some pretty good run defense? That's uh, the pretty consistent thing you can rely on. If there's a bunch of tough run defense on the schedule, that player is not going to do as well as someone who has a lot of more favorable matchups with their usage role and game flow being in their their favor as well as uh, competition. All right, the final thing we'll talk about here and as the most important thing is coaching. And this is not just the play calling tendencies, how they want to use personnel and uh, think about that, 
Are they going to lean towards more conservative passing or running? But it's also the tendencies here that Mike Tomlin's a good example. He ideally likes to use one back. So James Conner is going to get every opportunity because they'd rather have one back to do that versus trying to piecemeal it and put it together. But if he's piecemealing it, that means he doesn't trust any of the backs there. So that's how you kind of get the tell here. You might look at uh, the personnel leans here of uh, the Browns and uh, Kevin Stefanski. They're going to use the tight ends, use some play play action sets, so maybe less three receiver sets to uh, spread the field. So it's how they want to call plays, the balance between run and pass. Are they going to be too pass happy, too conservative, somewhere in between where you're going to get this wealth spread around, be productive everywhere. So all kinds of things you consider there. And it's also personal leans in terms of how much does a coach like a player. And Bruce Arians is known for that. If he likes a player, he's going to – really lean on him a lot. Adam Gaze is very uh, close to some of the players he likes and uh, not as much into the players he doesn't like. So you look at uh, the Bucks, and uh, it's been hard to read Ronald Jones because Bruce Arians is hot and cold on him. But you look, look at Chris Godwin, Bruce Arians is all in. They're going to keep him as a key role, even with all these other guys coming into the mix here. Adam Gaze, we know he's been really hard to read, but he wants to push for Chris Herndon to have a bigger role here. And then it's troubling that he has two guys in the backfield he knows and Gore and Balaj there behind Le'Veon Bell. So it's all about uh, can you trust this coach? What is he going to do? Is he offensive-minded? Is he going to meddle a little bit? Is he defensive-minded and going to just pull away? And then you're just looking at what the offensive coordinator does, looking at uh, the spread and which uh, players fit well in that. Or maybe it's a tighter scheme like the Vikings or Browns might run here with more – tight ends and that might favor running back committee and more production for the running backs to go all around so so many things to consider there but uh, really if you uh, can take a pretty look at uh, all these things beyond the surface you're really going to come up with the best way to identify the best fantasy football players one versus the other and uh, when you're making those tough comparison decisions this is what you're all going to factor in and uh, again start with the baseline rankings Maybe move some guys up and down, adjust based on all these things, and, and uh, kind of highlight the guys that you're interested in targeting based on ADP. Maybe put an X next to some of the guys that you want to avoid, you don't want to get stuck with as much as possible, so you know, okay, I need to go to this player a little earlier so I don't get stuck with this player. So it's all to help you in your uh, thought process here in, again, assembling the best fantasy football roster possible from wire to wire that includes drafting well and also identifying the best targets on the waiver wire and with your free agent acquisition budget. So to go over them quickly here, talent, role, usage, support system, quality of team, agent injury, history, history and familiarity with the scheme, game scripts or game flow, competition both by opponents and individually on one's team, coaching, play calling and personnel tendencies and philosophies here from who's calling the shots eventually on this team. So there you have it. Uh, That's a good way to close the week. A nice little uh, backup uh, fun here with uh, what we talked about early in the week with our sleepers and busts. Now you know how to find them. Now you know how to avoid them. So good stuff here uh, again on Locked On Fantasy Football to close the week. Again, direct to the point, smart, no-nonsense fantasy football analysis. That's what you'll get here. Your time's limited. We want to make sure that you're set up to win really well here on 
your fantasy football journey here in 2020, whether you're playing daily, weekly, season-long, dynasty, redraft. We got you covered here. And uh, that's all the point of Lockdown Fantasy Football. I hope you enjoy it, too, as well. We'll keep going in-depth analysis, and we can't wait for regular season mode. We'll give you more details on uh, how we uh, break that down. If you're new to the show uh, every week, uh, when we get uh, into week one, we'll have a nice little uh, parlay into that here next week. So thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Fantasy Football. Now tell your smart speaker to play the most recent episode of Peacock and Williamson. Have a great weekend and see you on Monday with more fantasy football pre-draft analysis.